So do you ever feel disappointed about where you're at in life? I turned 40 this past fall, and I thought I'd be in a different place than I am. <laughs> but do you ever wake up and think, by the time that I was 40 or 30 or 50 or 60, that, that you'd be doing something more, that you thought it'd be different, you thought you'd be doing something more significant, and so you kind of have these secret or maybe not so secret goals that you've hung on to that you've wanted to accomplish. I'd like to get that. I'd like to be here. I'd like to have this type of relationship. And then when you find you get what you want, sometimes you still feel like it's a little bit empty. It's not exactly what you thought it would be like. And then one day you're aware that life just seems to be passing you by. Do you ever wonder, is this all there is? Is there something more? And spoiler alert, there is. And that's why the title of today's message is Getting Closer to God. So Father, we pray that by the power of your spirit and the truth of your word, that you would stir within us this morning the desire to know you intimately and serve you faithfully in all that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in a message series called Predecide, and we're talking all about the, the power of our decisions, because the direction of our life is determined by the quality of our decisions. We make our decisions, and then our decisions make us. And in fact, I've been reading this murder mystery series, uh, Inspector Gamache by Louise Penny. She's a Canadian author, and I picked it up at the beginning of COVID, and I've caught up. She just released her 18th book. Phenomenal series. Love it. But what's interesting is even he talks about this character in this series that by the time the homicide happens that he's investigating, he said, It didn't happen in just that moment. It happened a million decisions before it even got there. And I thought, man, how true is that? Our decisions have the power to shape our destiny. So on the screen, we have a statement that says, I am. And these are some of the th things that we're, we've been pre-deciding so far. We've, we've pre-decided I am ready. Oh, I think I skipped a slide, sorry. Nick. All right. Uh, so the first thing we'll look at is actually the statement that, we, that we're using too. Um, as we face a certain situation, when faced with blank, you fill in whatever it is that you're tempted with, you struggle with, that, uh, that is a common scenario or maybe not so common. But then you've pre-decided to take a very specific action. So perhaps when faced with donuts, I've decided <laughs> to walk the other way. Uh, I said last week, if, if donuts is the struggle, then maybe don't drive past Tim Hortons on your way to work. Take a roundabout way. Um, that's just a crazy example, but we're not waiting until the future to decide in the moment, but with the wisdom of God, we're deciding ahead of time how we're going to respond to a given situation. Um, rather than getting into the moment being like, oh man, like, am I going to do this? Should I do this? And try to white knuckle it and get through. We're going to actually say, no, when I'm faced with this situation, I've predecided to do this. So we're not waiting until the future to decide. 
we're pre-deciding, and these are the statements that we're going through. It says, I am ready, I am consistent, I am devoted, which is today's. Then we're going to look at, I am generous, I am faithful. Then we're going to finish off with, I am a finisher. So today, I want to talk about devotion. With God's help, I will be devoted in all that I do. And we're not just talking about devoted to a workout regimen, devoted to our our family, our jobs, our kids, our sports. But as followers of Jesus, we're going to be devoted to Jesus, fully devoted followers of Christ. And Jesus was the one who said in Matthew 6.33, but seek first. It says, Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first God and his righteousness. And then all of these other things will be given to you as well. So the question is, what are you seeking? We need to seek God first. When we're devoted to God, when we're devoted to his kingdom, then all those things that you've been searching for in life, the things that matter, that bring fulfillment and joy and make a difference, when you seek God first, then God brings fulfillment into your life. I'm sure you've seen the illustration with the large rocks and the small rocks, and if you try and fill a container with all the small rocks and then put the big ones in, they don't fit. But if you take the container and you put the big rocks in first, then all the other things take care of themselves and fit in. It's kind of the same thing. When we seek God first, all those other things that bring fulfillment, contentment, joy, peace, those come together. But are we seeking God first? So that's why I'm going to keep coming back to this statement today. I will seek first the one who matters most. I am devoted to to Jesus. So will you actually say that one with me? I will seek first the one who matters most. I am devoted to Jesus. I will seek first the one who matters most. I am devoted to Jesus. I've predecided before the next day comes that I will seek first the one who matters most because I am devoted to Jesus. Now that raises the question, what does it mean to be devoted to Jesus? What does it mean to be devoted to the Son of God? So I'll give you some context from the book of Acts. You see, the first century believers, after Jesus had given his life on the cross, after he was raised from the dead, he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of God. And when all the believers were together in the upper room, like the song we just sang about, God create us to be the upper room. When they were all together in this upper room, God sent this powerful wind like a mighty storm, and and filled them with the Holy Spirit. So the question is, what did these first century followers of Jesus devote their lives to? What were they devoted to? Acts 2.42 tells us they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And this is where I was even convicted this week, like, man, I need to put communion back out so that we can actually gather together for the teaching, for breaking of bread, for fellowship, for prayer. They heard teaching about the word of God. They fellowshiped with one another. They broke bread. They shared meals. And they were completely devoted to prayer. And here's the result. The result was that everyone around them was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. 
They were devoted to things that made them close to God. They were seeking first Jesus and his kingdom and his righteousness, and then God added everything else. They were effective in ministry. Even non-believers looked on and went, wow, these people are so full of love and so full of joy. They're doing so many miracles that were born out of seeking first the one who mattered most. They were devoted to the word of God, to prayer, to fellowship, and the breaking of bread. Now, the Greek word that's translated as devoted is a really cool word. It's actually in the imperfect tense. And what that means is it means it's ongoing. It's continual. It's not this one-time devotion like, okay, I've said the prayer, I've raised my hand, check, I'm good. I've got my fire insurance so I don't go to hell. I'm on the straight-to-heaven path. But this could very well be translated that they were continually devoted. They were continually devoted to these things. In other words, these disciples had a single-minded, ongoing pursuit of Jesus. We seek first the one who matters most, and we continue to seek first the one who matters most. But pause for a moment and imagine that that verse was written about the fir- that, that that verse that was written about the first century Christians was written today describing modern-day Christians. And I would say maybe even what you might call a cultural Christian, a casual Christian, the C&E Christians, Christmas and Easter Christians, you know the type, the ones that kind of like, yeah, I, I kind of believe in God. Uh, you won't see it in my life. You won't, you won't he- hear it in my life. I may go to church every now and then, and morally, I try to be a good person. I kind of believe God, but, you know, no one really knows that much about it. So imagine if that verse were written today about people like that. I would say Acts chapter 242 from the T-I-A-T-S version, which stands for this is about to sting version, <laughs> would go like this. They devoted themselves to themselves. They continually and passionately pursued pursued a self-centered life of comfort and ease. Now, don't get me wrong. These are good people. These are people that you like to be around. They just have normal, everyday desires. They want to be liked. They want to be comfortable. They want to be popular, TikTok famous, whatever it might be. It's just normal stuff. Like, I want to finish school. I want to have a job. I want to marry a hottie, have a nice house. One day I want to travel the world and then go to heaven. And this seems to be coming more and more the modern-day Christian. Like, as long as I check off the boxes, I'm good. And I know most of you listening are thinking, well, that's not me. (laughs) And truthfully, I know that for many of you, it's not you. But what I want to do is just give a little illustration for perspective. So let me show you this. This is a line made up of 168 dashes. The reason there are 168 dashes is because we all have 168 hours in our week to spend. Sorry, Nick, I forgot to put X's on this for you. I gave him a ton of slides today, and I'm like, I marked everything with an X, and I can see that I don't have X's here. So there's 168 hours in the week. And where do we spend the majority of our time? We all have the same amount of time. Well, I've done the research on it, so I can help answer some of this. 
So unless you have sleep apnea or young children, you spend about one-third of your time sleeping. So one-third right away to sleep. So I love sleeping. Sleeping's a good thing. Um, I don't mean to rub it in for the moms of small children. <laughs> it will come. <laughs> but then you spend another third of your life going to work or going to school. So there's another third of your week gone. So now you have 56 hours left. And how many of you are on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever? Statistically speaking, it says, if you're on social media, the average social media user spends 17 hours a week. So you're using up 17 hours of your 50-something hours, leaving you about 39 hours left for what I'm going to call the other stuff, all the other stuff. So you have like taking your kids everywhere to ballet, to baton, to gymnastics, basketball, algebra, coding, whatever, tutoring. There's so much. And then not just you're taking them around, you need to stop and fill up with gas and clean your car every year or so. And you're paying your taxes, paying your bills, mowing the yard, doing yoga, working out, being with your friends, binge watching whatever series you have. And after all this other stuff, we have one hour left. And that's what we often devote to God. The hour goes to God because, well, of course, we're Christians, right? Like, we, we've got to go to church, do, do our God thing. But some people don't even devote that much to him per week. And they call themselves Christians. So to state what's really obvious, if you invest one hour a week into anything, you're probably not going to grow or improve. Like, if you only exercise one hour a week and eat whatever you want the rest of the time, you're probably not going to be in peak health. If you only spend one hour in the same room as your spouse throughout the week, you're probably not going to have the dream marriage that you hoped for. If you only study for one hour a week, you're probably not going to graduate the top of your class, or you might not even graduate at all. So if we're only partially, partially devoted to God, if we only spend a little bit of time with him when it's easy, when it's convenient, when we don't have anything else to do, it's no wonder we fall back into the same old ruts, the same old sin, time and time again. It's no wonder we rarely share our faith. It's no wonder that we're more concerned with what people think about us than what God actually thinks about us. It's no wonder we find ourselves lukewarm, wondering, is there anything more to life than this? If we only give God what's left over at the end of our week, we have to ask ourselves, are we really devoted to him? If we want to live a life fully devoted to the things of Jesus, what I want you to know is it's not going to happen by accident because all that other stuff just takes over. That's why I, I always had a hard time when people were talking about morning devotions because I wasn't a morning person. And I'm like, oh, I'll do it at the end of the day. Well, believe it or not, the end of the day would come, and I'm like, oh, I'm too tired for this. I'll do it tomorrow. And time and time, it passes you by. And no one ever wakes up one day and or just going with the flow, and they're like, whoa, I'm a spiritual powerhouse. I'm a prayer warrior. Like, I know my Bible inside and out. Like, it doesn't happen by accident. Like, suddenly, we're like, whoa, I'm close to God. 
Suddenly we think, I have this powerful ministry, I don't really know what happened, but I'm so involved in the church right now, and like, oh, I'm a missionary. Like, how did that happen? No one ever just says, man, I just suddenly became morally pure. Wow, I'm not tempted by anything anymore. Not going to happen. If you want to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, it's never going to happen by accident. You have to pre-decide. You have to decide ahead of time that I want to live with an ongoing, not a one-time decision, but an ongoing, single-minded pursuit of Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? What does it mean to predecide to be devoted to Jesus? And how do we faithfully serve him in that way? So I'm going to show you in John chapter 15. When Jesus was telling this parable, he was likely near a vineyard. And people were looking on, or at least they were certainly under, they were aware and understood what a vineyard was like. And Jesus said to his disciples, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, without me, you can't do anything. So let's illustrate this. Jesus says, I am the vine. And what are you? What are we? So let's make sure we understand our role in this parable. Let's all say, Jesus is the vine. Jesus is the vine. I am the branch. <laughs> so here's the key. When you, the branch, are connected to Jesus, the vine, what happens is you begin to bear spiritual fruit. And what is spiritual fruit? Well, according to Galatians 5, spiritual fruit was things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. We actually did a whole series on these last spring. So if you're displaying consistent love and joy and peace and gentleness and faithfulness, do you think your life is empty? Absolutely not. Do you think you're wondering, man, is there any more to life than this? No, if you're producing this kind of fruit, you're living the highest calling of life. Your life used to be empty, but when you're the branch that's connected to the vine, your life starts to be full of what matters. It starts to be full of what lasts. So, in fact, let's play a little game. There's one word that appears 11 times in this chapter. 11 times, so it's a, probably a pretty important word for us to remember. And if you can't find the word, well, Rona will pray with you at the end of the service. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but it's in John 15, verse 4, Jesus said, remain in me as I also remain in you. So if you don't have it yet, stick with me. Jesus said, no branch can bear fruit by itself, but it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So do you have the word yet? Remain. <laughs> so it comes from the Greek word meno, M-E-N-O. And it means to abide, means to dwell, it means to live in. And this is not just this one hourly, uh, one hour weekly duty to God. Well, I got to do my Bible time, I got to go to church to please God. No, this is a fully devoted life. 
all in devotion to the one who matters most. I will seek first the one who matters most. So to state the obvious, the branch needs the vine. If you don't stay connected, you're just a dead limb out on your own. You lose your life source. So that's why we predecide that I'm not going to let life happen to me. I will seek first the one who matters most because if I'm not connected to the vine, I don't get the spiritual nutrients. I won't be producing the fruit. I will break so much easier. Jesus is the vine. You are the branch. So your assignment is this. Be the branch. That's what we're called to do. It's just be the branch. Be, be the one who needs and seeks and stays intentionally connected to the life source. So I've predecided that I'm staying connected to the life source. I will seek first the one who matters most. So what we're going to do is predecide. So I want to get really practical. How do we live this out? So I'm going to talk about the first and then the all. Seek first and then all these things will be added because we're going to seek first. So I'm going to give you a game plan. We're going to predecide three things, and here they are. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to predecide a time. The second thing we're going to do is predecide a place. And then the third thing we're going to do is predecide a plan. In order to seek God, in order to seek first. So seeking God is not something that we hope to do. It's not some abstract idea. We actually are going to start with a time. So if, we wanna, if I want to spend time with Amanda, I'm not going to wait until everything else happens all week long. I'm going to predetermine, hey, when are, do our calendars align so we can actually spend some time together? Or what do we need to trim back in order to spend time together? So if you want to spend time with Jesus, what is that time going to be? And for you, it might be before the kids get up. It might be when you're sitting on the couch drinking your cup of coffee. That's mine. <laughs> it might be before you go to the gym. It might be after you go to the gym. It might be after you get the kids to bed. Whatever it is, it's got to be a predetermined time that I am intentionally seeking God through his word, spending a little bit of time reconnecting and being completely committed to him. And then what we're going to do is we're going to decide on a place. And it doesn't always have to be the same place, but if you don't have a pretty regular place, then you're probably not doing this. It, it, it gets hard when you're like, oh, I'll just pick and choose. Like, find a most of the time place. Like, whether it's like me on the couch by the front window with a cup of coffee in hand. I love that spot. The sun's shining in, the warm cup of coffee. Just, ah, it's awesome. I was there this morning at six. But... It might be you kneel down beside your bed, or it might be that you even just stay in bed and you're like, okay, I'm gonna, this is my time while laying on my back, I'm just gonna connect with God. It might be at your kitchen table, it might be on your back porch. If you've got little kids, it might be in your bathroom before the fingers come under the door, like, mom! <laughs> it might be even just on your commute to work. And I know there's different seasons in life, especially as we go through the whole kid thing and work stuff. And sometimes it's just saying, where do I have some dedicated time to commit to God? But you're going to predecide this is the time, this is the place, and then you're going to have a plan. Meaning if something's important to you, you plan it ahead of time. You're not going to get up and be like, well, 
What am I going to do today? I've got no plan. Like, no, we all have these plans, things that we need to get done and do. And one of the great things you can do is go through a Bible reading plan on the YouVersion Bible app, right on your phone. Um, I was going to make a joke for Eugene, but I'll go by. <laughs> but uh, no, you can, you can go through these plans for several days, and you can... Um, Invite friends. I, I know that Amanda's done it with several women in our congregation where she'll do different Bible reading plans and go through studies with them. And it's always amazing because she's just like, there's a spot to comment on what you kind of got out of that day's reading. And they, they go back and forth and they message. And so what I've even done this week to help us is on our website, the next steps button, I've put a link to a six-day Bible reading plan that you can go on there, you can do it by yourself, you can invite a friend to it, um, but it's called Habits, and it's about actually cultivating um, better habits. And so again, just the wellbinbrook.com, next steps button, and you'll find that linked right there. But you might want to get a nice journal where you can write down what God is showing you, what he's speaking to you, saying to you, or the people that you're praying for, and then mark the dates when he answers it. You might have a podcast you listen to, or you might have a worship song that you put on. You might have any number of different things, but what you've done by doing this is you've pre-decided that this is the place, this is the time, and this is the plan. Because we have 168 hours during our week, and we're not going to give God what's left over. We're going to start and seek first the one who matters most. And then what happens is we just start walking with God. Our time with God, it's not limited to 10 minutes, 30 minutes, one hour, whatever it is. But it just starts becoming this, I'm going to set this time aside with God. And then we just start doing life with God. Throughout the day, we're talking, we're listening, and we're aligning our hearts to his will. We have a posture and a mindset and a mood of seeking Jesus first. And what happens is when we're seeking Jesus, weird things start happening, weird spiritual things. Like we start to become more kind. We start to, to be more loving. And we're like, what, what's happening here? I'm actually getting along with my coworkers. Or we become an encouragement to people. We start getting convicted. Like, okay, there's some things I need to change in my life. And what happens is God doesn't just get what's left over, but he becomes your life. God is your life. He's not just a part of it. He's not just the one hour a week add-on. God is your life. The whole 168 hours become permeated with his presence. He is all and all and all. He's not a little part. He's not a compartment. He's everything. It's a full devotion to the one who matters most. And so all through the day, I'm seeking first the one who matters most. And then you just, you're talking to Jesus, you're listening to God, and he starts to impact your life. It's not about a moment in time. It's about a devotion to the one who matters most. I predecided because of who Jesus is and because of what he's done, I will seek first the one who matters most. I'm devoted to Jesus. Have you ever been with someone who's dying? One of the most emotional moments in my life was when I was watching a funeral service for a young man from our church who had just 
gotten married three weeks earlier on Thanksgiving Day, and was suddenly killed in a workplace accident. He was out in Calgary, so I was watching his funeral service online, and while I was in the middle of watching this service, my father-in-law called me up and said, hey Kev, my mother only has a few hours left to live. Can you go be with her at the hospital? So he wasn't going to be able to get there in time, so Amanda and I went over to the hospital and spent the final hours of her life with her at her bedside. And what's always so hard for me when it comes to pain and suffering and death, if you know me at all, I like to kind of sidestep those things, and it's like, okay, let's avoid, I call them the negative feelings, uh, sadness, sorrow, grief. But as I've been trying to lean into it more and understand my resistance to it and avoidance of it, I realize what's so hard for me when it comes to this is because when you see someone who once seemed to be in such an invincible state, who was in the prime of their life or who, who had such strong faith, and then you find out they've been killed or you see cancer ravaging their body, those moments stir up within me a sense of urgency. They, they, they kind of force me to reflect on kind of that timeline, that 168 hours that we each have each week. And it makes me ask, what do I believe deep down in my heart? What really, really matters in life? What is it that will outlast our time on earth? Who is it that matters most? Because I want to devote my life to that. I want to devote my life, not to something that's self-centered, self-seeking, easy, comfortable, but I want to stay connected to the vine so that I'm sensitive to the voice of the Spirit and can make a difference in a moment's notice. I want to live for something beyond myself. I want to seek first the one who matters most because you have to pre-decide. You will never, ever, ever, ever accidentally live a fully devoted life to Jesus. So what do we do? Well, we're going to pre-decide because of who he is, because he matters. He's not going to get what's last. He's not going to get what's left over. He's not going to get what's easy or convenient. He's not going to get my attention when nothing else is going on or there's no game this weekend. The weather's not beautiful, so I guess we can go to church. No, he's going to get my all and all. I have a time, pre-decided. I have a place. This is where we're going to meet, and I have a plan because it matters. When it matters, you make a plan. So let me tell you, the moment you start and you predetermine to seek first the one who matters most, what I promise you is there's going to be resistance. I promise you that you're going to be distracted. There's going to be reasons to quit. My son reminded me this the other night too, and I started praying with him, and he's like, Dad, every time you start praying, my mind just comes, like, I have all these things I want to tell you. And I'm like, well, let's just quiet those things down, and then let's talk about them after, or let's talk about them first, and then we'll pray. But I feel like that's exactly what happens. We're like, okay, I'm going to set aside this time. I'm going to get a nice cup of coffee, and then the coffee maker breaks down. And before you realize, you're fixing the coffee maker, and you haven't spent any time with God. But this is why we're going to pre-decide. I'm devoted to Jesus because if it's not important, we'll find an excuse. 
But if it is important, we'll find a way. Because Jesus is the vine, you are the branch. So our assignment's easy. It's just be the branch. The branch needs the vine. It's not optional. It's all I need. Friends, life, it's like a vapor. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. I want to invest my life in a place that matters. I want to invest my life in a person that matters. And therefore, because of who he is and because eternity is real, and because our time here on earth is short, we need to predecide. I'm not going to wait till tomorrow. I already know what's important tomorrow, so I predecided today that I'm going to seek first the one who matters most because I am devoted to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray today that there would be some powerful spiritual predecisions made. So help us commit, God. Not give you what's left over, but to make you the driving force of our life the ongoing single pursuit, the devotion of our hearts. And God, as we continue to reflect in prayer and we look at our 168 hours of the week, there's probably room for improvement. So we simply say, God, I want your help. I need your help. I want to pre-decide to be devoted to you so help me choose the time, help me choose the place, and help me get a plan going to start integrating and staying connected to the vine. Help me to be devoted to Jesus. God, we thank you that you hear the cries of our heart, and we ask, God, that you would draw us by your Spirit. We thank you that you meet us when we cry out to you. So empower us, to predecide, to be intentional. Not to have an accidental, coincidental relationship with you, but to intentionally seek you first. So Jesus, we want your forgiveness. We give you our life. We surrender to you. We are the branch. You're the vine. Help us to stay connected to you so that we can show your love in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.